Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 198, the October 1985 issue on sale July 9th of 1985, cover price 65 cents. This one's titled Life, Death from the Heart of Darkness. It is. And Jeremy... Um, we, we talk to each other, you know, offline, you know, we send each other texts and stuff. And, uh, I try not to, I try to limit our conversations to just this podcast. Well, you know, we don't, we don't talk in person. We like to keep that fresh. Yeah. No, no voicemails or anything like that. Just, just short, short, quick texts. Digital, digital communication only. That's the way to go. Right. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. So this issue took me like 20 minutes to read. Mm-hmm. But in the text messages, you seem to imply that it took you several weeks to read. So what happened there? Uh, are you are we about to get into something that you absolutely hated? Oh, uh, I'm cutting to the end, <laughs> cutting to the chase. Uh, n- no, not at all. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. I don't even have time to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> I only communicate to you in short texts and emails, as we established. So it was, you know, I, I think what happened is I started reading it on Sunday, got about 40% of the way through. And I got to be honest, I was getting kind of into it, but then it was like, hey, we got to go do this thing. So then I had to put it down. And and then we texted yesterday on Monday and, and I said, oh, I haven't finished reading it. But like at the moment that you had texted me, I was about to sit down and finish reading it. So, I mean, probably all told, it took me 20 so or so minutes to read. So, you know, no big whoop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I may have been jumped the gun on that. I was just, I was worried when I heard you hadn't finished it. I was like, how long does it take to read a comic book? <laughs> you must, you must be hating this. Well, see, when I read, I read phonetically oh. <laughs> and aloud. So, you know, typically it takes a good hour and a half to read one issue. So when we do those massive uh, things, like when we read long shot numbers one through three, uh, that takes like the, I got to take time off of work just to read those. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a commitment. And the crazy thing is we don't get paid. So, I mean, this is really me going all out for the fans. Yeah, we got to set up a Patreon or something like that. <laughs> or maybe one of our fans should set up a Patreon for us. <laughs> or maybe our fans could let us know what kind of a Patreon would be acceptable or or something. Yeah, are you willing to pay for... I mean, the show will always be free. But what would make you be willing to pay for it? Like, what kind of <laughs> what, what would not you... ridiculous extras would you right. like? What would you give a dollar for? Just the heck of it? Or would there be bonus content that would have to be a part of it? I listen to one podcast where they do their main episode, which is about 40 minutes to an hour 20, depending on the topic. Uh, and that's free. That's always free. There's no advertisements, just like just like our podcast. But then they'll dive into the bonus content, which I've never listened to because uh, I guess I'm kind of a hypocrite and I have not actually Patreoned uh, him to listen to his podcast. But apparently there's additional material uh, in in the that section that I, and I don't know quite how Patreon works. I think you can set up various subscription levels or whatever. But for a dollar, you could get that extra content. Yeah, honestly, I have no idea how Patreon works. Just that people support other people doing stuff. Yeah, which sounds great in theory. Right. I don't know if there's a market for us for it, but it'd be interesting to find out. There's a lot of cheapskates on the internet, and I'm included in that bunch of cheapskates. Oh, I'm absolutely included <laughs> in that. So, anyways, we're not whining, we're not complaining, but, you know, a couple bucks wouldn't hurt every now and again. So, chime in, let us know what you think of, uh, like, a Patreon. Like, what would be 
what's the sweet spot in terms of content and, and uh, well, I don't know, whatever else you could do to make a Patreon thing worth it. Like I said, the only thing I could think of is like, you know, maybe instead of having episodes of the bonus issues, those issues would go into the Patreon. So the Uncanny X-Men would always be free, would be the our, our bread and butter, the thing that we do. But if you wanted to find out what's going on in Excalibur when that stuff's coming up, or X-Factor when that stuff's coming up, that would be the Patreon material. I don't know. Let us know. Sounds like a neat idea. Yeah. Uh, and then we could even, you know, depending on interest and whatnot, if, if, if there were some folks that would pay for early access, say, I would... I would want to like always eventually have like a schedule where even the stuff that's behind the Patreon paywall would eventually be free, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe like three weeks later, like it's just available for everybody. But if you want it as it's hot and fresh, you pay. I don't know. So let us know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we're mainly talking about stuff that we're aware of that currently exists. So if anybody out there has ideas for like things that have never been done before, let us know that too. Yeah. I mean, if 50% of our audience would give us a dollar per episode, we would have $3 a week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not much that we're looking for. Anyways, life death, life death two, as a matter of fact. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice painted cover. Is it painted? I, well, it's colored. The colors are uh, more textural than I am used to on a Marvel cover. I mean, this seems to be kind of Barry Windsor Smith's signature is a lot of heavy inking and vibrant colors. But I feel like the colors have more layers than, for example, the last cover. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I agree. But I'd also say that the issue itself feels richer in colors um but this cover to me doesn't doesn't look painted it looks like a sketched drawing with with just well lots of heavy purples and blue it's a lot darker of a cover than you're used to seeing you're used to seeing a lot of like bright blues and yellows and things that stand out uh at of your news uh, stand whereas this uh, is darker but it's it's got a higher contrast <laughs> it's like on your TV, you've adjusted it. Oh, I don't. I said, I said it for the THX setting. Yes, that's right. Ooh, I can really hear what Lucas intended for me to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great cover. Uh, it's it's uh, Storm in her leather getup, which is a little misleading. But in her leather getup, uh, and she's in the air. Um, also misleading. Yeah. Uh, arms out as if she's commanding the weather. Oh, see, I was seeing like she was a zombie. Oh, but. No, yours makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I could see how you would think she's a, a zombie, but uh, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> oh, okay. There is, uh, there is Wolverine and Jean Grey and the Professor and Forge in the Marvel box, which is an interesting grouping. Very interesting grouping. And the cover announces that this is Life Death Two by Claremont and Windsor Smith, which is not something that we've seen before. Uh, Letting us know right away that this is going to be a different sort of endeavor. It almost feels like like they wanted this to be more like a book cover. Yeah, this is this is special. Uh, I think is what this is. As I've mentioned before, the only time I've ever read this has been in the Essential collections, the black and white collections, uh, which don't have the same impact as the full color experience. So, for all intents and purposes. Uh, this is probably the first time I've read it. I also have only ever read it in an essential edition, which is probably true of the last 20 issues. So me saying that is kind of pointless. (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, yeah, so this one is produced by Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor-Smith. Tom Orzakowski's letter and Ascenti's the editor. Dean Schuter is the editor-in-chief. So it kind of either Chris Claremont's coloring this thing or uh, Barry Windsor-Smith is, and I'm leaning towards Barry Windsor-Smith. I would have to agree. Uh, and inking it, too. So, like, this is his his baby. And Interesting. You, you actually, I, I think you can see an evolution of his artwork uh, from Life, Death, One, and then this. Uh, and I can't remember. Hasn't he done some other stuff that we've uh, covered? He did, I think, a cover of something yeah. that we, we recognized. But his uh, his artwork just continues to improve, in my opinion. And he also did that really early issue of X-Men. Remember that? Yeah, which was not good. No, well, it wasn't. It wasn't bad though. No, I mean, it was. It was not. It was very. It was very Kirby esque. Yes, it was Barry Windsor Smith trying to do Jack Kirby when Barry Windsor Smith should just do Barry Windsor Smith. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the last time we saw Storm, wasn't she shot by? Andrea Strucker. She was on the the last page of the last issue. Uh, she awoke from being shot and swung her spear or whatever that is, walking stick at some vultures that were uh, coming down to eat her. And in this issue, uh, I believe she's fended fended them off. And she's kind of walking into the wind, very uh, melodramatically. Once upon a time, there was a woman who could fly. Now I walk just like plain folks. Isn't that something that Ford would say? Just like plain folks? Isn't that from the first life death? Oh, probably. I don't remember. Sadly. I feel like it is. And if I'd, if I'd been more uh, on my game, I would have looked. Adam, people aren't going to pay us to do a podcast if we can't even do that basic level of research. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe it works the other way around. Maybe if oh. we get paid... For a, for, a do, for, a, do. for a dollar, I'll tell you, if Forge said that in the last life death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is, this is totally told in like a storybook format. Once she would have ridden the winds, now it drives me. So she's, she's fighting the weather here, and she's, um, I don't know, dismayed that she, she doesn't have control over it. or She's not having a symbiotic relationship with the weather. She's lost. She's alone. She's hungry. And at uh, kind of a last-ditch effort, she, she talks about how the wind used to be her servant, and she raises her arms, and everything clears up. And she thinks to herself, or she says to herself, that her powers have returned. She leaps into the air. Um, I suppose if, if you're somebody who has formerly known how to fly and you leap into the air, you're probably doing it without the expectation that you're going to land. It's, it's muscle memory at that point. So she's like, my powers are back. She, she, However she used to jump into the air, she jumps into the air now. But instead of her powers kicking in and carrying her into the heavens, as it were, she tumbles right back to the ground because, in fact, she has not regained her powers. She seems that the, the backgrounds here are not very clear. I can't tell if she's... She's in a desert. She was on the plains in the last issue. Right. So maybe... I don't think the illustrations matter because as we see, uh, she she tells herself that she's having delusions and that's a bad sign. So she could be anywhere, really. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right that perhaps we're not meant to know where she is. I mean, ultimately she's... She's in the desert, but it, it could be that she was on the plains and trying to find her way back to civilization. She she just wandered into the desert through her delusional state. 
And it is an illusional state, um, so it would, we may not necessarily be seeing exactly what is happening, which is probably another reason why the, the, the backgrounds are so sparse. Right. Uh, so she starts talking to Forge, who clearly is not there. She thinks she is, or she thinks he is, and he. she's happy. She's happy that he came to save her and that he's missed her and she loves him. But then she pulls away and she's like, wait a minute, you betrayed me. You lied to me. You, told, you stole my powers. This is... Uh this is very much a direct sequel to to the other the life death. You could probably like skip every issue of X Men between those two, and this would still make sense. Probably, yeah. I mean, you'd have to make the leap of uh, how did Storm get here, but other than that, right? Weren't we commenting? I think at the end of Life Death One, she leaves uh, Eagle Tower and just kind of like goes on her own. But then at the start of the next issue, she just turns right back right. and goes back into Eagle Plaza. So, right, you could just cut all that out, put these two next to each other, and you, you probably, yeah, you probably have a full story. I don't think there was ever a Life Death 3, though, was there? I bet there was intended to be one. This uh, seems like a like a thing that they, they they seem to enjoy doing. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> I, guess, I guess because they put, there seems to be a lot of heart put into this issue. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like an unofficial continuation, at least in my opinion, uh, issue. I think it's issue 223, where it's basically a Stormforge issue. But anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, she she does not want Forge here. Uh, she's mad at him. And, so uh, she, she turns away and immediately trips and gets attacked by a snake. A pit viper. She struggles with it. Um, can't quite tell if it bites her or not. And she, in fact, isn't sure herself. She says, was I bitten? I must have been. One of the deadliest snakes in creation. Venom acts within seconds. No antidote. She crawls into a nearby cave so that she might die. Comfortably, at least. Yeah, you know, because it's very windy out. Yeah, peace and quiet. So she... She crawls into the cave. She she lays there, um, and she thinks, "Well, this is probably for the best." Uh, and that's when she starts hearing some voices saying that uh, we love you. Have we hurt you? She huddles into the the fetal position, which I feel like she's done before. Sure. Didn't she do that when she got eaten by that thing? The like the brood storyline. Yeah, the, the yeah. And yeah. She, I guess she died and came back or whatever. Right. Right. If we recall correctly, this is actually not Storm's original body. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's also some fetal position when she was having some claustrophobia fits. But she turns around and it's Kitty Pride and her fellow X-Men, including Phoenix. What's up? Says Phoenix. <laughs> I'm not dead and I'm not dark. I'm just me. <laughs> And she blames them, sort of. She's like, you took me from my home. Because of you, I lost my soul, my oneness with the world. I lost the powers of a goddess. I'm nothing. She loved Jean as a sister and best friend, but she could not save her. And she feels very guilty for that. And uh, Jean says, you know, it's everything that happened was worth it because... It was it was very important, and uh, that's when Storm says, "This ain't real. It's a fever dream, a hallucination, insanity that precedes death." Wolverine, in classic form, lights up a stogie and says, "Maybe, but could the imagination provide the smell of smoke?" Oh, that's she actually smells, she says that. Yeah, she 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 smells smoke, so she's starting to think that maybe maybe this was real. You called, darling. We came. Remember these adamantium claws? They'll cut through anything. I'm Wolverine. Best there is of what I do. I got to get all my things in there. <laughs> my bones are also made out of adamantium. Surprised he doesn't slice the top off of a can of beer in this uh, <laughs> particular montage. But he puts his fist to 
Storm's chest and says, say the word, and I'll extend him. Peace forever, darling. That's what you want, right? No more pain, no more fear. I am not afraid. I am merely tired. I just wish to sleep. Professor Xavier, is that so much to ask? Professor's here, and he says that uh, you've always been afraid. Why do you think I took you from your nest and forced you to fly? You were too safe here as a baby. You needed to get out of here. Um, Liar! Yep. So she she goes in to strangle the professor, but she ends up kind of falling through him because he, after all, is a hallucination, just as all of the other X-Men are. Do not leave me, I beg you! I need you! Come back! And then she passes out. After a while, she opens her eyes and she realizes that she's not dead. She must not have been bitten. Um, But she dragged herself out of the cave. Um, Maybe she never even went into the cave. That's true. Maybe she passed out right at the mouth of the cave. The pit snake, if it's the same one or another one, uh, returns and uh, merely crawls over her this time. She she is unable to struggle, um, and it just kind of crawls away. I, like, don't, I don't need this. Yeah, I don't know how to interpret this. Like she says, uh, but this time I do not panic. Is it because she's so tired and she's on the brink of death? Or is it that she's so at peace with nature? Because this third to last panel kind of looks like she's got a little bit of a, a knowing smile on her face. I think she has just accepted that... Things are the way they are. Whatever's going to happen next is going to happen. Yes. And the snake, uh, I guess, deserving the same fundamental respect, uh, neither more nor less to be feared. And the snake moves on about his business. Whatevs, says the snake. I don't need this. (laughs) (laughs) And so she pulls herself back up. Uh, to her feet. She asks herself if that was some sort of test. Did the bright lady sit in judgment of her errant daughter? Uh, she she recognizes the smoke that she smelled earlier, and it leads her to a crashed bus. And on the bus, she hears somebody crying. So she, she makes her way in, and she does find a woman who is still alive. I think there's other people on this bus, but they're dead. And this driver could not see the road, the wind, the sand. We rolled over. There were flames. This woman is pregnant, um, which I guess exacerbates Storm's desire to save her. She counts on me to rescue her. Oh, well, I guess I will. And she's thinking to herself, like, even though I'm in worse shape, starved, dehydrated, confused, this woman needs me to save her. So, yep, going to do that. So they take off together. Um, She wraps this woman. uh, Storm is apparently huge. Hmm. Or maybe this woman is just tiny. Uh, She wraps this woman in her cloak or her rags or whatever she was wearing. Slightly different outfit than last issue, but... No big deal. Yeah, she's she's naked. Under the cloak, yeah. I mean, I guess we're all naked underneath our clothes, but um, I feel like, in fact, I'm looking, and then the last issue, she was wearing, I don't know, I don't want to say African garb because that sounds racist, but, you know, like uh, she's got kind of a... a like a, I guess kind of like a loincloth and like a belt that's keeping everything together. And it's white. It's like bound up clothing. But this is like a bathrobe that she's wearing. It's weird. It's, uh, yeah, I can't tell if it's, if it's just a sheet that she has wrapped around herself or if it's an actually a piece of clothing. Well, she says cloak, but uh, I guess. Okay. But anyways, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it storms, so she gets naked, right? We've already established that. She so, but yeah. uh, she and uh, you know, in, in a non-perverse way, she she wraps this woman into her cloak and against her body to keep them warm. Um, 
and uh, to help them both stay awake so that they don't die. And they head towards this woman's uh, village. What is this woman's name? Her name is Shani or Shani or something like that. Yes. Uh, she introduces herself as Shani. Or Shaney. I guess we'll never know. On their way to the village, we get uh, some great panel layouts, in my opinion. Yeah. Just four page height panels, very narrow, bunch of dialogue, nice slim drawings, kind of what's going on. Final one's the greatest one where they're sitting by a fire and the sky is crystal clear with a whole bunch of red and white and uh, yellow stars in the sky. It's very nice. Of course, Storm here the whole time is lamenting her loss of weather power. And then on the next page we get um, kind of a similar layout of panels, except this time they're they're top down. They're horizontal this time. Yeah, yeah. That's even even better description. Horizontal. <laughs> horizontal. Uh, Storm and Shani, they're, they're snuggled up for warmth um, because it gets, gets cold in the desert, you know? And each each page is essentially four different um, shots that are of varying closeness to the subjects. Mm-hmm. So we have extreme, extremely far away, extreme close up, medium shot, and say a, a medium or two wide shot. And then we have a, a nice tight frame around the two bodies. And maybe the same size. I don't know. This one's like a little closer. But then we get an extreme close-up of Storm's eyes by the blessed goddess. And then we get a wide shot of her looking on, upon a massive machine. What in her name is that? It's got a uh, very large blade and it looks like it hasn't had much use in a long time. It is definitely covered in various uh brush uh, it's grown over with plant life and stuff sun is rising over it and uh, storm's talking to herself or shani one of the two talking about the great machine that's been abandoned um then she grabs she 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 touches the sand and she's like well this isn't just sand um this was farm long or farmland not so long ago but it's barren and desolate as the moon which she would know she's been to the moon well yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, by the looks of things, uh, scores of hectares were under plow, and uh, now they're not. There's a bunch, as they're walking through uh, what used to be old farmland, we're seeing some other older decrepit machinery just kind of laying about. And we learn that this uh, area is just beyond the village that Shani calls home. Um, it is not as she remembers. It is it is drastically changed, uh, assuming that it used to be very... Uh, well endowed crops wise i would imagine uh lush and green and full of full of uh food etc but now it's it's desolate and there's people here though there's there's a you know a chief and and some some other tribes tribes people and they show up and everyone's kind of quiet as they see shawnee return to the village yeah there's sort of an ominous uh nature to this whole thing the she she introduces Aurora to her parents and they they just sort of stare. Not really sure what that's about. Uh, maybe maybe nobody talks to anybody until the elder Majinari Majinari shows up and he is the law speaker, leader of the people since before mother and father were were born. It could also be we learn later that the um, maybe the parents are kind of upset that the natural order of things is is about to change. Uh, yeah. I mean, knowing what I know now, having read the issue, 
I would think that that would th- there's an uncertainty of now that somebody's returned, how is this going to affect our our balance? And we can talk um, about that when we get to that point. These are pl- uh, clearly poverty-stricken people. Oh yeah, the elder comes and greets them and, and says that Shawnee's been missed. Uh, both her and the companion are welcome. They can have some water, salt, bread, and fire. That's good. So you got some some food and some some warmth and a place to sleep. Storms tries to smile and she passes out. Yeah, she awakens later on and uh, she has a little conversation with Mjnari. She dreams of mountain. Yeah, Mountains. The, how do you think Mountains. we How do you think we pronounce this? I'm just going to say Mjnari. I think the M is is like going to be mostly silent. So you're thinking like Mjnari? Mjnari. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. That's a tough one. Minari? Could you, the J could be silent. Minari. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Minari. Minari. I don't know. <laughs> I'll stop. Let's just call <laughs> her. Owner. We'll call her Nari. Anyways, uh, yeah. So um, she asks how long she slept. Uh, Nari says that it's nowhere near the amount of time she needed to heal all of her wounds. Storm's a tough cookie, as we know, and she's like, whatever, I'm good. She somehow, Nari knows her as the wind rider. So I guess, I guess she, I guess we kind of know about the fact that Storm has some sort of legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's not entirely clear if she is just, I mean, she was a goddess uh, in her own area of Africa, if that spread all across Africa, or if maybe she was just talking in her sleep. Mm, that could also be. She asks why Nyari wakes, uh, woke her, and he says that it is, it is Shawnee's. Uh, her baby will not come. Right. Baby's due. Baby's not coming out. Uh, so the people what, what's are... What's going on in this panel where there's two Mnuris. I think it's two panels. Oh, there's a line in the middle. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was, that was, I'm like sitting there staring at this thing. Well, that's, well, that's uh, that, strange that they didn't throw a gutter between these two panels. That's Minyari's mutant power. <laughs> he can duplicate himself across a piece of wood. Yeah. Uh, people dance, Storm questions this, and she's like, well, wouldn't it make more sense to get her to a hospital? And the chief's like, we don't have a vehicle, and even if we did, uh, she wouldn't survive the trip. Like, this is, this is what we can do. Don't be sassy. Just help us out. Right. And Storm's like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a midwife. I mean, I guess, you know, Nightcrawler's given me a little bit of medical training, but <laughs> <laughs> fine, I'll give it a try, she says. Uh, Shawnee says, I can hear my son crying within me. He's scared. He doesn't want to die. He wants to be born. And so Storm decidedly says that he shall be born. And in between Storm working on the baby and the uh, natives dancing, the baby ultimately is born, but it's not breathing. I honestly feel like Storm doesn't really do anything other than be supportive and Shawnee just kind of pushes the baby out. You know, it's it's hard to tell because there's only so much you're going to be able to show in a Marvel comic book and there's only, right. only so much uh, um, tolerance a reader's going to have for a childbirth that you could be right. Maybe she's just reassuring her or maybe she is actually, I don't know, Helping, delivering a baby. Delivering a baby, right? <laughs> we don't know, but whatever you choose to decide is fine. The baby ultimately comes out, but it's not breathing. The dance continues. Um, Nari looks on, and Storm says, nope, this woman's going to li- live. Uh, and so she gives the baby mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and the baby cries. Everybody who's doing the dances celebrates. He lives! 
how do they know it's a he? <laughs> she does say uh, earlier that he's born. He, uh, you're, you're Johnny. You have a son. So word spread very quickly. Oh, oh it's a boy. Yeah. Hey, tell everybody it's a boy. Oh, it's not breathing. Oh my dear. Tell everybody it's not breathing. Keep dancing. And she she wonders. Storm wonders to herself. Was or he? She in time? Did she do the right thing? Will this baby grow up healthy and whole? Oh goddess, I pray so. So I guess. The question is, will the baby have brain damage for being born without a without a breath? Right. Uh, is it very per- oxygen tends to relate to brain damage? Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a very you know progressive issue for 1986 or seven or whenever this came out. Well, there are some things we know. Well, yeah, but- it's not the 60s, Jeremy. <laughs> I know, but it just seems like a topic you wouldn't you wouldn't bring up in a in a comic book but ah, i don't know whatever anyways shawnee has her baby uh the the chief greets the baby uh gives the baby a blessing and he heads off uh he needs to perform one final duty duty (laughs) (laughs) the uh the song that the people outside are has uh singing has changed and they strip Nyari of his robes and he there's a there's a sadness in the air and he walks through the villagers to the edge of the fields and Storm realizes he's not coming back and she follows him out and she says, What is the meaning of this? And he says, Well, I think you know why. And she says, Why? And he says, Because I must. And essentially uh it's because every time someone is born Someone has to die. There is a very uh, perfectly held together ecosystem happening here. They only have enough food for a certain number of bodies. Yeah, that revelation occurs after we get a very long conversation about what happened to this village, the village which used to be rife with life and, and lush with gardens and and stuff the the men came with their machinery and sold the machinery to the village they must have done a trade or something i don't know but uh they so they laid down the fertilizer and they worked the the, the land with the machines and they they had uh, uh they were overloaded with food the first year and maybe the second year but after that they needed more fertilizer and they needed to use the machines more and finally the the top soil was blown away and uh they couldn't find fuel for the machines and then it was more and more difficult to fix it and there was no parts and so everything just kind of laid to waste and because of that, they only, they can't grow more food. They, they're stuck. They're kind of stuck in this existence. And uh, while all of this is happening, there's all this crazy stuff happening in the background, all these lights and colors and stuff like fireworks or something. Is it the Aurora Borealis? I don't know. I, I feel like that would be more north uh, and have more to do with ice, but... <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's it's a neat effect. Whatever's happening here. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I Is don't Dazzler know. throwing a concert? <laughs> yeah, she's she's on the other side of the hill throwing a wicked concert for the Beyond. Jubilees there. But uh, that aside, it's a, it's a great visual. I don't know what it's meant to symbolize, but but the the gist of the story is uh, one in, one out, and the baby came, so the oldest has got to go. And now I got a couple of problems with this. Yeah, what's that? A baby doesn't eat the same thing as adults, so. He doesn't have to go kill himself right away. That's true. Well, that's true. However, right? in answer to that, I suppose, like, what happens when, like, shouldn't they get rid of two people since Shiny also showed up? Well, and that's that's the thing that we don't know, right? So when she showed up and nobody would talk to her, is that what everybody was thinking? Is like, oh, man, Shiny's back. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be me? Do I got to go? <laughs> but maybe there was always a spot for Shiny. 
Maybe. What about Storm? Storm, I think, was it's temporary, right? She, there's a little bit of water, bread, salt, and fire. But I think ultimately Storm's not probably welcome to stay. Right. But uh, this, the baby is is one of them, uh, is welcomed into the village fold and is a part of the community. And as such, um, the elder has to, he's lived a full life. He's ready to go. He's ready to give up his spot so that another can, can have a long, fruitful life. And in fact, Storm says, like, wait a minute. Like, I saved that baby. Because of me, you have to die. If I wouldn't have saved the baby, you'd be fine. And Nari is like, you don't understand. Uh, A life has been born, and that's the most important thing. My day is done. Shani's baby... Uh, represents hope, a chance for the future, a new beginning. Still say he could have waited a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, he, he the baby's going to breastfeed for a little while, which means Shawnee's going to need a little bit more food to supply that milk. But you're right, he could cut his uh, his his rations, you know, down by half, and and they could both live. But maybe what you don't know, Adam, is that another baby was born yesterday, <laughs> and he already took a cut in his rations, and he's like, okay, well, at this point. All I'm doing is taking food away from other people and still I'm starving, so it it's a symbolic gesture and I'm I'm poking at it with too logical a, a fork. I know. Uh, but uh but yeah. But he yeah, he said this is uh that uh, that is what makes this a good way to die. Uh that wind rider is why we celebrate. So I think all of these lights are some type of a firework. I think the the uh um village is celebrating the life but mourning the death. And this is it what could also be a, uh, you know, just a kind of a, a figurative celebration. It, it may, yeah, you're right. It may just be symbolic. It may not actually exist. It may just be a way to convey emotion through the panel. Uh, while they are talking, he passes out uh, away, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she says, I shall mourn the passing of a friend I hardly knew. So how long have they been up there? She says somewhere in here, and I don't remember where, but he basically wills himself to die. Oh. <laughs> so they they went up there, they had their conversation, he leaned over, and the life left him because he willed it out of himself. And even though he is gone, I still hear his voice. Somewhere on these plains, it is said, countless ages ago, the human race began. Now two great cultures clash headlong into each other, the very young, uh, the very old against the very new. The one must give way to the other for that is nature's way but at the same time its wisdom and experience much must teach lest youth and immaturity bring about unwitting catastrophe technology is not inherently evil okay so the first part of that is clearly a uh and and storm takes it this way as as talking about mutants versus humans Uh so mutants are new and but they're young and humans have to make way for the new. Um, technology is not inherently evil, uh, evil, merely the careless, stupid use of it. I'm not sure what this has to do with anything. I don't know. Neither tradition. Don't fear, don't fear science. Just uh, be careful. Well, there's got to be like a, um, there's a parallel to something. Neither tradition is wholly good if it blinds us to the ways of making our lives better or happier. A bridge is needed between these two halves of the world. A synthesis, a blend, a person who is both one and the other, whose mind comprehends, whose hands command the machines, yet whose eyes and soul look upon them with the wisdom of the ages. At which point Storm says, Me? Minari? You mean me? So I'm guessing... And he was going to say no, but he ran out of breath. Yeah, that's when, when he... 
he, his soul died after his physical <laughs> body died. But I think what they're saying here is uh, you can't have all mutants and you can't have all humans. Uh, you need some way to bridge that gap. And since Storm was a mutant but is now a human, she understands both worlds. So she is the perfect person to to lead them, I guess. I also get the sense that they're equating mutants with technology in the sense that they are they are born of technological advances like we know that you know certain certain mutants were born because of uh, radiation or whatnot um, but it is it is the technology of the world that advances that creates these uh, more complicated gene structures I guess yeah Maybe I'm digging a little too deep I don't know I don't know. Sure. Read into it whatever you want to. I don't think there's a wrong answer. So she thinks, is this the mountain I was meant to climb? The purpose, the destiny, referring back to the mountain she she saw when she was on the boat headed this way. A bridge not simply between old ways and new, but a races as well between humanity and its mutant children. So essentially what we just said. Mm-hmm. Oh my goddess, I am not worthy. Yep. Uh, I have no powers. My body cannot fly, but I no longer mind. For in my heart and soul, where it truly matters, I soar higher than the stars. She accepts her fate and um, good on her. Next issue. The spiral paths. See if we'll see if this new motivated storm goes anywhere. <laughs> and for you, those of you keeping score at home, uh, because we already did the Nightcrawler limited series, this caches the uh, X Men Epic Collection Volume. What is this? The Gift? Oh, Volume yeah, Twelve. Volume Twelve. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, next time we do an X-Men book, we'll be reading from The Gift. No, this is The Gift. What is it? Ghosts? Ghosts, which I don't know. Not that it would be all that interesting, but um, I'm curious about the releases of these various uh, trade paperbacks. I'm not sure if Ghosts is... Ghosts is new, actually. Ghosts came out after this epic collection. I think it came out before, actually. Oh, did it? Because okay. it's, it's, it's been on Amazon for a while. Okay. Um I'm in a quan. Yeah, I, I think the epic collection. I think you pointed this out in a previous episode. They're kind of filling in the gaps, um, but they're also they're also collecting like like early stuff. Like a next couple of few that come out are going to be um, like uh, the the Genesis X Men story, um, the the X Factor first group, the New Mutants first group, the Excalibur first group. Uh, so those will all be volume ones. A lot of good stuff out there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just always going to have kind of a mishmash trade paperback collection cause I'm not going to rebuy all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's partially why they might be just filling in the gaps. They're trying to figure out, you know, well, let's, let's put out the stuff that people will buy first, get them committed to this format and then they'll have to buy it. <laughs> right. I can't. Like, even, even like I have all of the classic collections of new mutants, but the new mutants epic collection that is coming out has additional stuff. So I'm like. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of torn. Get it right the first time. Yeah, right. I'm kind of torn because um, I'm I'm pretty stocked up on trade paperbacks as we move forward. Uh, but there's a, uh, and we won't get this to this for a while, which is why, like, I don't know if I should buy it now, but it's probably going to be out of print relatively soon. Uh, and that's the entire Inferno collection. There's three of those and and there's some out on Amazon at not an egregious price. I have that in hardcover. Well, there's, Three as far there might be there's like a 500 page like 
uh, Inferno Prologue, and then there's two uh, Inferno trade paperbacks, and then there may there may have at some point also been a hardback version of all of that material. Well, I believe there are two hardcovers. One is just the the main story, and then one is all the extraneous stuff going on in the Marvel universe. I did not buy the latter. I only bought the the essential stuff. Yeah. So yeah, always always something to buy. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, that's that's a good issue. Um, I, I what I, what I really liked um, about this issue that kind of bugged me. I think about Life Death One, as I think Life Death One was written in such a way that they touched other characters. Like I think they jumped to other things that were happening at the same time with the other X Men. Um, whereas this was all Storm, one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, and I liked that. Yeah, this I, I think worked a little bit better because it's it's I don't know I, I like these stories in that they're they're just kind of like this is this seems to me like Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith are kind of just you know trying something different. Totally, and I um I Jim Shooter must be super busy with Secret Wars two or the uh, sales of X Men are so high that he's like you guys do whatever you want to I don't even care. Because I would imagine that, like, if this is your first X Men issue, or maybe your second X Men issue, uh, you're you're maybe you're a little turned off because you're like, what the hell? Nobody fought anybody, and it's just this weird art and this lady in Africa. I don't understand. Well, I think you can with a, with a book like X Men that is already selling like hotcakes. You can kind of you can take those chances. Whereas I, I think at this point it's just like, well, people are going to buy the book anyway, so we can as long as they don't do this all the time. Right, and that's that's my point is that because they have such such an audience, or this, they have the sales or whatever, they are free to take some of these risks. And in my opinion, uh, that's a tough one. Like if if that was my first issue of X Men, I would be like, this isn't for me. Back back but, then, yeah, when I was a kid. Um, if I was a collector and this was maybe my sixth or seventh issue, I'd be like. Okay, not my favorite, but I'm pretty sure Wolverine will be back next issue, so I'm still in. Um, well, he was in this issue. Yeah, yeah, that's f- fair enough. Good, good point. Um, if I'm a longtime collector and I've been following the story, you know, like for for years, I I probably would appreciate it. Certainly, well, you're invested. I mean, you want to know what happens to Storm, so right. I mean, this is this is part of the overall story, right? So certainly, in retrospect. Um, I definitely appreciate the story. So I don't know. whatever. And I, and I guess that's another thing that for me worked better with Life Death 2 was that this completely fits into the story, whereas the Life Death 1 seemed like they shoved some things in there. Like there was that whole love story that, you know, the we couldn't quite figure out what how much time was passing because it was a very short amount. It seemed like a very short amount of time for two people to fall in love and then fall out of love. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the more I think about it, um, this issue is uh, Chris Claremont and uh, uh, Barry Windsor Smith uh, delivering on their honed abilities. Um, whereas Life, Death, One, good story and everything. Uh, but I think they, they were trying something, uh, but I don't think they quite were there yet. Um, story-wise, scripting-wise, and art-wise. Still, yeah. still good, but I, you know, this is like, hey, we... We did it better this time. Yeah, and this issue, the passing of time really doesn't even matter. Nope. The whole thing could be a fever dream for all we know. Yeah, yeah. So It still works, though. Yep, totally. So with that, I think uh, next week we'll be back with a whole batch of other X-related crap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
And then how long are we away from the uncanny stuff? Uh, we're doing, after that, we do 199. Is it nine? What do we just do? 198? Yep. We do 199, and then we do the, um, and then we do uh, the New Mutants and Uncanny X-Men annual Asgard thing. Yeah. Um, and then we're right back into 200, so. All right. We're not going to be away that long i can't wait uh i actually i'm I'm dreading the asgard stuff but i can't wait for 200 (laughs) i'm looking forward to the asgard stuff um just because i don't think i've ever read the first half nor nor have i've read the annual once but i've never read the first chapter which is a new mutants standalone story yeah so i'm hoping that knowing a lot more about the new mutants now that that's going to make the whole thing work better yeah we'll see we'll see (laughs) (laughs) so let us know what you think about the backup issues the new mutant stuff x-men number 198 our patreon idea uh, or anything else that you have on your mind we can be reached at danger room at redcapproductions.com visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast or you can follow us at danger room go give us a call at 501 get x-men leave us a voice message and uh, subscribe to us on itunes just go out there type in danger room under the podcast section will be the first one that pops up subscribe leave a comment give us some stars and uh we would appreciate any or all of that uh, you may have noticed our new theme song it's by the awesome band laszlo holyfeld called buffalo all america city let us know what you think of that and that should do it for us this week indeed until next time my name is jeremy my name's adam and the danger room is closed Danger room.